coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. I just think playing for Ireland is the absolute best thing you can do and I, I love doing it and I want to do it for as long and as many times as I can. And I suppose that was, you know, the drive always and, and from a very young age was to play for Ireland and these were all like the little stepping stones along the way. That was indeed Aoife McDermott speaking with huge pride. We'll get back to Aoife very soon. But first, we have to say a big thanks to the overarching sponsor of the show, Hawora. It's a performance well-being growth partner that looks to impact on individual and organizational health and well-being through four key pillars, physical, mental, social and occupational. So do make sure to check it out at haworalife.com. H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Com. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Episode number 121 coming right at you. Today we spoke with Aoife McDermott, Irish international rugby player and former Irish international basketball player. Aoife plays rugby for Railway Union RFC, Leinster and the Ireland women's national rugby team. She represented Ireland in basketball and is a qualified special needs nurse and works in clinical research. Aoife was a Living for Sport ambassador for Sky Sports in a group that included Katie Taylor up to 2017. It was around this time that Aoife started playing competitive rugby. Giving back, helping others and an ambitious competitive desire has been a part of McDermott's makeup for years and that shines through this interview. She's a very talented basketball player. We dive into that part of her journey and how and why she transitioned to rugby and the challenges and learning points that came with that. Aoife explains what she loves about rugby and where her strengths are in the game. For those of you who love and drink sport and are constantly striving to be better, this is one not to miss. Thanks for joining us, Aoife. Aoife McDermott, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Good, Kieran. Thanks for having me now. Thanks very much for coming on today, for your uh, busy woman. Lots going on recently um, in your life. How has that all been for you over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been good. It's been busy. Um, I've just come off the back of the Six Nations where, yeah, thankfully I was I featured in all three games. Um, a few highs and a few lows. It was quite a quite a roller coaster of a tournament, really, but um, delighted to have been a part of it and enjoying my little break in off-season now at the minute. And speaking of off-season, leading up to it, we obviously had a little thing called the pandemic happen and sport nearly derailed, especially high-level sport. It got back a bit earlier, but still, there was a massive gap there. I think there was 13 months between when you played a game between there all was. the jigs and reels, between delays, injuries, everything like that. It, I felt like we were constantly being ready and then things would get cancelled and it was just, you know, like everybody's year, just so changeable and so unpredictable and stuff. So, yeah, I played my my last match in, in the 2026 20, Nations against England, which was, I think, round three. And then a um, couple of weeks later, we, we were in the full lockdown and stuff. So our management team and our S&C, Orla Curran, were amazing over that time where we were getting like weekly programs that we'd have at the beginning, like kind of weekly Zoom calls to check in and maybe work out together online. And then it just kind of evolved and stuff like that over time, like home gyms and stuff. And like we were just given like a list of kind of options to do and you could build your own program, build your own gym and just whatever you needed to do to kind of keep yourself ticking in. Like I know there was weeks I certainly got fed up with putting books and um, bags and squatting and stuff like that. I just couldn't face it for a week or two. And Orla was great. She was like, Rand, leave it off this weekend. Just do your running and stuff. Um, 
And then, like, you know, as time went on, we were very lucky. We got back training as a squad come, I think, about September. Um, and it was great. Like, it was so good to see everybody again. And um, we were building then towards um, Six Nations, one Six Nations match in November. And then we were hoping for World Cup qualifications in December. So I unfortunately fractured my foot um, in October, just at a club training. Just things were kind of getting back up and running. And then, um, so missed the Six Nations game, but... Again, I was lucky enough that like gyms and stuff were open at the time so I could do my rehab and kind of get myself back as quickly as I could. And then, as I say, like the World Cup qualifiers got cancelled and Six Nations got cancelled or postponed. But um, we finally got to play the Six Nations there in April and it was great. It was a standalone competition outside of the men's, which I think was a really positive experience. And hopefully that's something that will continue in the future. And we're now gearing up for World Cup qualifications come September. So that's where we're at at the minute with us. So it's been busy and changeable, but but great. And obviously the period coming up to that round of games coming up should be really different. I'd say you'll all be looking forward to being able to be around a lot more people and, you know, Ireland will have opened up. That must be very different from a mindset and a preparation point of view, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's exciting. Um, like just that we can, you know, hang out as a team together and hopefully a little bit more relaxed. Um COVID protocol settings and um, we'll be training throughout the summer which we generally don't do it's gen- that's generally more of our off season so there'll be nice weather um, it won't be kind of heading out into the rain so it should be more enjoyable and like we're we're very driven and, and focused on that goal and we're, we've waited so long for these qualifiers now that we're just we're itching to go so we're looking forward to them coming around for certain and jumping back to October, November when you had that injury I mean you're already after facing setbacks with delays of matches and then you have this injury in training, something that happens, but it's more rare than matches and you don't get the chance to go out on the pitch. What was that setback like for you and how did you manage with it in terms of mentally and also emotionally? Yeah, it was tough because I suppose I'd gone through the whole summer and the whole initial lockdown of, you know, training and being ready and staying fit and came back then into the national setup and ran a personal best in a fitness test and, you know, felt good as, as to like having maintained my fitness and, and my strength over, over that time, despite the circumstances. And then we were released back to club for like two or three training sessions and then just got tackled. And um, the girl who tackled me, her knee landed on my foot and it just got a fracture in it. Um, so it was really unlucky. So it was very disappointing um, to have, you know, maintained fitness and, and worked so hard to, to be ready for that match. And then, for it just to, to just to not happen but that's that's sport I suppose you know there's always some setbacks and stuff and for me then at that time we still had the World Cup qualifiers in December so I, I remember the coach texting me and he was you know checking in to see was I alright and I texted him back I was like don't you worry I'm, I'm going to put my hand firmly up for selection come December for those games and that was kind of a great driving force for me that um it was just you know to get stronger over that time maintain fitness and just come back ready and and try and you know put a hand up for a jersey in in December. So it was nice that there was kind of still something on the horizon very soon to be getting back and ready for. But as I say, unfortunately, they didn't happen. But I was I was ready and we had a few camps in December and I and it's and an internal game and stuff. So it was still good to have that, I suppose. But um, yeah, definitely some you know you you'd be down for a few days over it. Um, once you once you kind of refocus and still have that goal to work towards, it wasn't wasn't too bad. And kind of having gone through that, Aoife, like if you're if you're looking back maybe a couple of years ago and, and a, a hurdle or a setback is put in front of you, would you have responded to it differently at that point in time than now? So that foot injury, has your response changed with time and experience and exposure to, you know, more games, more training in the sort of environments? And kind of how has it changed? Yeah, I think so. Um, like I, I come from a basketball background where 
back in, at the time, the setup wouldn't have been as professional and I wouldn't have been as looked after in terms of a medical point of view that I didn't have physios telling me what to do each week and S&Cs giving me programs and stuff. So like back when I've had injuries through basketball, you're kind of just almost sitting around waiting for them to heal or just chancing, doing bits and bobs and not really sure, not as, I suppose, driven as to get back and stay on schedule and, and have, I suppose, a clear other goal like my during that um, foot injury, I was, you know, keen to hit PBs on bench and, and work on my upper strength and stuff like that. So definitely that's evolved over time. And as I've moved through sports and, and seen different setups and stuff like that, I suppose I've just increased my learning as to, you know, how to take those negatives and that you can still work on something and, and be improving all the time. That's excellent. And speaking about sort of that goal setting, do you start the year with certain performance goals that you put in into your basket, maybe that you want to take out over the year? Like if you want to play a certain amount of minutes or achieve numbers in the gym, what's your process for that goal setting? I, I would do it. And then you kind of go back and reflect on it and stuff. And it, it's very simple. Like it's just about like writing it down. I think once you have it on a piece of paper, it's there, it's concrete. And, you know, I'd be into a little bit of journaling and stuff like that as well. And kind of having, you know, clear goals for each week really whether it's and some can be more specific than others some might just be you know hit a pb in gym this week or it might be you know this week we're hitting a pb on in bench or if we know when fitness testing to you know again try and hit another pb and stuff like that or in terms of games and stuff like that it's about you know like i i work a lot with the line out and stuff and that's a very much um key role i would have in the team and it's about you know making sure that i know my role and i have everybody else up to speed on what what I want in terms of that match or what from a defensive point of view, what, what we're looking to run and things like that. So it's just about, you know, depending on the situation and, and what it is, those goals kind of change over time. But yeah, something I, I like to do a lot is to have them written down and um, keep kind of working and editing them as, as you go along. As two physios, we love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Aoife, you, you've just mentioned basketball there a couple of minutes ago, right? And that's where, you know, I'd, I'd have watched you play many times in, in UL and places like that. When did that progression, that transition for you really come to the fore that, you know, you wanted to get into rugby? And how did that kind of play out for people maybe that don't fully know your journey into that sport, into yeah. the rugby world? Yeah, so I played basketball for most of my my younger life um, throughout secondary school and college and stuff like that. And I, I loved it. I was lucky enough to play for Ireland at underage and, and senior women's level. But And as you say, in UL, we had an amazing team and we had so much success. And it was just still one of the most special things I've ever been a part of. But um, I kind of moved on from UL. The team kind of came to a natural end and I, I moved up to Dublin to do a master's and I don't know, basketball just was, there was never this, it was never the same coming from, we had had such a high performance professional setup, albeit an amateur sport in, in UL with our coach James Weldon and just the caliber of players and stuff that, that were there, that we were always training and striving for more, that when I moved to another team, I, it was just never the same. And I suppose I had, was lucky to have had so much success at such a young age in basketball but I kind of felt I had ticked off everything I could and reached as far as I could in terms of um, a basketball player in Ireland. And I had seen the Irish women's rugby team winning Six Nations, competing in World Cups. And I had seen Lindsay Peake transition over, Louise Gavin transition over. And for me, like to, to play in a World Cup as an athlete is just such a pinnacle. And it's it's just not something that um, was going to be achievable in, in the course of my basketball career. So that was a huge kind of driving factor to to switch over to see if you could play on a on a more global stage. And 
to see if you could make it in another sport, I thought as well would be just a, a great like challenge. So that was, they were kind of the main factors for the reason behind it. It was definitely one of the scariest, most daunting things I've ever done because I remember playing in the European Championships in 2016. We came home with a silver medal that day and I remember just being so devastated, like for the whole evening, like inconsolable, not able to cry. And, you know, the girls said, were like trying to cheer me up. They're like, it's okay and you know, we'll be back, we'll be better. But I, I kind of knew in 2016, I had been chatting to a few rugby coaches at the time that this was most likely the last time I was going to play basketball for Ireland. So I was so devastated that it had finished on the last and But uh-huh. I, I just knew that there was, and then, so I walked away from like a starting five of an Irish senior women's basketball team to, to rugby and not knowing, you know, would, would I make an Irish team or would I even be any good at it really? So it's terrifying, but thankfully it's worked out. And, you know, hindsight's great that you can be like, yeah, it was definitely the right decision. But at the time it was very scary. But I suppose, as I say, just that allure of a World Cup and to the professionalism that, that we have and the, the great supports that we have in the rugby is, was very attractive to me as, as an athlete. You're heavily based in team sports. You would have been the starting five and then you went into a, a successful Irish setup. And it's hard to transition when you have your persona, you have your role and you understand the teammates around you. What was it like transitioning into a different sport as well as a different team? Yeah, it was very tricky. Um, and I suppose like I was blind really in, in many ways. Like I, I knew very, very little about rugby, which maybe was a good thing because if I knew like... I didn't even know what a rock was or how to tackle or anything like that. So if I kind of realized at the beginning, all I would have had to learn, it from, I may never have started it. It was, it was challenging. I joined Railway Union, which are a very successful women's side and they have a lot of international rugby players there. So I was instantly kind of thrown into an environment where the caliber was really high and it was kind of sink or swim. And the girls were great, to be fair. They as I break a law, um, as I <laughs> a rule, as I call them, I was kind of told, right, well, what you did wrong there was this, and, and that was how I learned. You know, I'd be forever breaking um, the laws, and that was, and then giving away penalties and matches, and that was how I kind of had to learn. So it was a bit. The girls were great at the start to be so patient with me and, and teach me. Yeah, no, it was great. Like, and I, I owe a lot to Railway for taking that chance for me. You know, they they just threw me into this, the women's first team and, and just backed me and, and did extra sessions with me and stuff to try and get me up to speed as quick as they could. So it was challenging and, and, and all of that at the start, but yeah, good. And what did you take from basketball in terms of a skill set, in terms of what you brought starting five, you know, what you play, good player? What did you take onto the pitch, knowing, of course, you have to learn about contact and the ball goes backwards and all these sort of things. What did you bring from from the court onto the pitch? I suppose like my attributes would have been like, I picked up the handling side of things and the passing side of things naturally quite quickly. Um, and that ability to pass off left and right, like basketball's so brilliant that you have to use your left and right hand to be able to shoot and dribble on both hands, stuff like that. So I found the ability to pass it, to make a 10 meter pass on my left and right side doable quite quickly um, and that's still and even like my distribution in terms of a, a second row and my offloading ability is, is one of my strengths and that certainly comes from basketball and stuff like that I think like a mindset stuff I, I never made I never I didn't make my first Irish team when I was like 13 or 14 and you know just that it, the things you learn from those setbacks about like when you know you just have to work hard and you have to make every training session and you have to you know if the coach is saying hit the line you have to hit the line you can't cut corners and I went into rugby wanting to play for Ireland I didn't go into rugby just for the crack um so I knew like I would have to do all those little things and, and any little tips and tricks I could get along the way I would have to take on board and be very open to to learning 
everything that anyone was willing to tell me. So that was, you know, some of those basketball skills really stood to me as I transitioned in. One that didn't stand to me, and it's it's a gas story. I remember, you know, as a basketball player, there's a lot of jumping and rebounding and things. So I, I classify myself as a decent jumper, but I'm six foot two, so I was naturally thrown into second row and the lineups and stuff. But we had to have a specific training session where I would was taught to jump in the lineup because I had like this jump where you know you you jump up and you might hang there and grab the rebound and come back down. Whereas in rugby, you know your jump is really quick, really explosive, and your lifters are are just helping you up. They're not actually <laughs> lifting you, <laughs> so it was very strange having to like relearn how to jump. And I was just gonna give them a nice soft jump, and they were like having a total upper arm workout trying to get me into the air, but. uh Thankfully, I've kind of learned how to jump since, so that's been good. <laughs> She's a baller, can she not jump? Uh, looking back, looking back on the, you mentioned a few times there that you were taking tips for what you, your mistakes you were making, breaking the laws or the rules. How do you look back on something that didn't go so well and process it and then try and change it to make it better? Sometimes it's not easy. Do you have a set process for doing that? Yeah, it's not easy, but it's something that I'm, I try and be very open to doing because I, I think as an athlete, like none of us are ever perfect and we certainly would never, I think high performance athletes are never happy with their performances. Like there's always something you can be changing or working on or doing better. So um, for me at the moment, we, we use Huddle and we would just rewatch games back and um, clip them and send them to teammates or coaches and stuff and be like, you know, this is what I was thinking here or would this have been a better option? Um, and just kind of looking through you know, how the game went or what certain scenarios or plays are. For me, particularly a line-out, like if I'm line-out leader, was that the right call? Did I call it to space? What, like, and what was the reason maybe that we didn't win that line-out? Was it, did I not jump effectively enough? Was the lift a little bit off? Was the throw a little bit off? Or, you know, and you're, you're kind of looking at it at all in that minute detail to see, like, how can we, you know, get our line-out better and, and make sure that we're getting, you know, 80, 80 85% plus success rate on, on each of them. So it's, it's very much video analysis for me and very visual. Um, and then that communication with fellow line-out leaders and coaches and stuff. And you've talked about so many of the technical pieces to the game, right, that we all understand because we all love the game. For those people that maybe don't love rugby or don't even fully understand it, maybe there's some people listening in the States that are more into American football, as an example. What is it about rugby that you find really appealing, that really draws you to the game? Um, oh, there's so many aspects. and and. This one is definitely the most cliche, but it's so true. Um, it's absolutely a sport for everybody. Um, you know, you can be really fast or not so fast and you can be tall, small. Um, there's just a position on the pitch for everybody. And I think it's such an inclusive sport. Like um, we've girls from every walk of life and it just works. Like we have doctors and nurses and um, teachers and um, people working in so many different aspects of life and all different shapes and sizes and they, we come together and we you just throw your body on the line for your teammates and like you it's like you go to war every week in in, in a match because it's so physical and like you need your teammates to rock over you and protect you or you need your teammates if you're jumping in a lineup to bring you down safely to the ground and you just have um, a really special bond with your teammates that I haven't experienced throughout other sports. And I, I think that comes from the physicality of it because, you know, you are, it is so physical and you are putting your body on the line that you, you rely on them to protect you so much that it's, I think that's what makes it really special. And building on the fact that you mentioned it's a game for everyone. When we see the very best, there's always the debate of, 
are they innately talented? Were they born with it? Or are the best always the ones that have worked so hard to get there, being most diligent? Where do you lie on that argument of is talent innate or is it earned? I think it's a little bit of both, if that's cheating. Um, I think certainly some people are born <laughs> a little bit more athletic or that than others, but ultimately it's hard work, I think, that gets you to the top. Um, you can have someone that's really talented and if they're just sitting at home not really working on their, their basketball shot or their tackle tech in rugby or whatever it is, like they're not going to be getting better. And if you have someone who's at that level or a little bit below and is giving it everything and working as hard as they can to be the best that they can be, well, they're going to pass them out eventually. And, and that hard work, does get rewarded and it does get noticed by coaches and stuff so it's kind of cheating there like definitely genetics and things like that are great but ultimately <laughs> hard work hard work definitely um for me wins like I'll always pick always have the harder working teammate over a more talented lazy teammate any day of the week and if you're going into these big games big matches six nation games big games um world cup games big games Irish international both sports What's the preparation? What's the piece that you do to get you in the right frame of mind where you feel you can, you know, feel your best and play your best? Is there something you, that you've always done or has it changed or, or what does that look like? There's, there's no one thing and it, it's definitely something I suppose I'm still kind of trying to fully hone in on. I try and do the same thing every, every, every time we're building up to a big game. You know, I'll have the, the bag packed the night before bed early um morning of eat the same food um and then like a couple of hours out from the game you know the phone is away just thinking about my job and what I need to do and what my role is and what my first impact is going to be and you know like like in terms of rugby I'm visualizing that first tackle it's going to be low it's going to be hard and um, the first carry it's just you know first time I get hands on ball just make a good carry get the ball back as quick as we can to be recycled by the nine just that that visualization of, of how I see the game going and you know what what I want my impact to be on it that's definitely evolved over time um I don't think I always did that from I think in my younger years I would just rock up and hope you know you'd almost be kind of hoping it'd go well but definitely it was a little bit more thought into that um visualization side of it these days and another strategy that's often used in high performance is self-talk so if you're out on the pitch let's say in the six nations and you make a mistake or a blunder something doesn't go your way what does your internal self-talk sound like? Are you a very positive person or do you just have a mantra, next ball or something along them lines? Yeah, it's, it's next play. Um, and that comes from back when we were, when I played in UL, we had a fantastic sports psychologist in Kieran Shanahan and we had very much a next play mentality. Like whether you score, whether you make a mistake, um, whatever, it's, it's the next play. You can't do anything about what just happened. You know, you can review that after and try and, you know, figure it out later on. But right now it's, the next job so if it's a knock-on and you're heading into a scrum well my job is to give the front row as much you know power through me as, as I can and or if it's line out if it's the next job is to win that line out and stuff like that so that's very much how I would focus on the game um, and that's very much I, I say that to myself throughout. And for younger players coming into the environment coming in and and looking at you and you're modeling that you know the professionalism and they've they've known you've been really successful across two sports for quite a long period of time what would you be sharing with that that player who maybe is just on debut or just started training or, or really just getting a taste for competition and trying to get to the next level what would what would you be sharing with that the younger player who's trying to make her mark as it were yeah it's um you definitely try and make them feel as welcome as you can when, when they're coming in because it can be a daunting environment to come into but it's you know for them like I love to see young young players coming in and just being open to to learning and to taking on 
you know what the coaches are saying and working hard and just doing what they can to to be their best and not being shy about being there you know you've you've been called you know if it's into the Irish squad or something you know you're there for a reason you're you've proved you're good enough to be there so you know you've been given this opportunity grab it by both hands and just give it your all and and why not challenge the more senior players for jerseys like put pressure on us to be our best and if we're not then you know the best person's going to get the jersey and why why wouldn't it be you excellent and then in terms of when you're in training you're going into a lot of a big hard camp or you're you're after setting up for the world qualifiers something that we spoke about off air the importance of recovery and the importance of sleep how much does that play a factor into even your day-to-day and then does it change when you're going into a big camp yeah, I it definitely does. Recovery is massive, and especially as I'm hitting into my thirties now, um, it's it's all the more important. Sleep for me is key. I have to get eight hours a night minimum, and like I have lights out by half half ten because I just can't function otherwise. Like I'm just too cranky, and um, it's so important for me. And then I, I'm like typical pandemic person now. I took up sea swimming there in the last year, which has just been great in terms of recovery. Like I find it so good for like even just for clearing your head and um um let alone like the 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 impact on the body and stuff like that my week yeah I suppose if you're heading into a big camp and stuff like that like you're you're definitely I'd definitely be trying to get to bed um early come Thursday Friday and we we generally get it go into camp Friday evening Saturday Sunday it's a little bit more different now because of the pandemic any Dublin based players could go home um and stay in their own room which is great in in many ways because you know it's the same routine nothing changes you can get up and have your cook whatever you want for breakfast and go to bed whenever you want whereas previously we would have shared rooms in a hotel so you might be up chatting to your teammates for half the night which isn't great when you're heading into training the next day so I suppose that's you know a positive thing in terms of your routine and stuff like that which which I'd be quite diligent on the the sleep front of it I do think it's very important. What do you see happening for you now over the next couple of years in the in the world like you're not you know you're not just a rugby player you also work and and that's an interesting point that we haven't touched on yet like what's it like balancing the workspace which we we know about but maybe you can talk about that with also performing really well at the highest level in rugby yeah it's it's a challenge so i work as a clinical research nurse for the heartbeat trust in st michael's hospital in dunleary so Part of that role is doing heart failure screening. We do a screening service. And then I also run a few clinical drug trials as well around um, preventing patients who've had heart attacks and strokes in the past, kind of preventing trialing medications, see if we can prevent further heart attacks and strokes from them. It's busy. It's great. I've worked in research now for the last five years, and it's definitely an area that that I really enjoy while it also complements my, my rugby career. We have a few other nurses um, on the team and, and they work more shift work and it's definitely a, a tough balancing act for them. So I feel quite lucky in that I have a nice nine to five and stuff like that. So it allows me to fit in the training around it. Where I see myself going in the next few years, I think I'm like a typical athlete where I'm always focused on, on the sport and not so much on the career. I'm not sure where that's going or uh, where, where I'll be with that in a few years, but for now, um, I have a very supportive employer and they, they they allow me to play my rugby and give me, you know, the flexibility that I need with that. And then with the rugby, like the, as I say, like the main goal is the World Cup. We have those qualifiers in September and hopefully we'll head to New Zealand uh, in November 2021 and uh, put on a show and, and maybe cause a few upsets there. Who knows? 
we've seen over the last few years huge promotion going into the, the women's game and it's great that it was a standalone tournament this year we also seen the 20 by 20 campaign which seemed like a huge success we'd be speaking to people internationally in sport and they actually were aware of it as well and and some people are looking to to investigate more because they might adapt it in their country what was it like being part of the movement itself and just being involved in women's sport during this time where it's actually getting the limelight that it deserves uh, it's been brilliant and like definitely since the campaign has started, you've just seen this massive growth in the coverage of women's games and the interest. And like I was at work a couple of weeks ago and everyone in the hospital was coming up to me because they'd watched the match and they were chatting about it and stuff, which before, like most people wouldn't even have known I, I was involved in sport and stuff. So it's it's been great. And as you say, having the, I think it was a blessing through the pandemic was the, the women's Six Nations being a standalone competition. We weren't fighting with men for the, the prime slots on TV or you know even the IRFU's Instagram coverage of us just went through the roof like we we were getting like two or three posts a day and we had a little podcast around each each player on the squad was was interviewed at some point around it just to try and raise our profile which was great like that they had the time to also invest in us it's been brilliant like and for us we we just want to keep like performing and, and you know getting wins and success and stuff to kind of back up the the level of coverage that we've been getting and hopefully keep growing the women's game and showing you know showing what we're about and that we are it is an exciting brand of rugby and it is enjoyable just doesn't matter what gender and um, it is that it's, it's just rugby and it's exciting to watch brian o'driscoll was in, interviewed um a while ago and put this question to him about what is it like for your children to be able to see ireland's women's starring on primetime television and in such a big tournament and he said well it's so important for my kids to be able to see it because they don't care about what they're watching as long as it's rugby and it's competitive and sometimes the external world influences what you want to see as you grow up your your environment and he says so my kids now have this exposure to seeing women being the stars that they're given the limelight the highlights that they deserve so they will grow up as with them as their heroes. How much does that mean to you to think that there's a little boy or girl in Sandyford or somewhere in Dublin or anywhere in Sligo that's looking at you and thinks, Aoife McDermott, that's who I want to be. That's my hero. Oh, it, it's amazing. And like, if they can grow up seeing female athletes doing their thing and aspire to do that, then, you know, that's that's a huge job well done for for us as athletes. And it's, it's definitely a, a reason why you why you do what you do and sacrifice what you what you what I do and stuff like that like I'm from a lovely little rural, rural village in Sligo and there's a bit of a mural of me on a wall and if you know kids are walking by that each day um you know to school and stuff and they they see that someone from this tiny village went on to play for Ireland well why couldn't I it's just lovely to think that they might you know that they can have those dreams and they see it, that it's very achievable and um I'd, I'd love another little international coming from Riverstone. <laughs> <laughs> and say, say that little international walking by the mural, say it was you from 15 years ago. What would you be saying to a younger version of yourself now? Oh, God. I, I think you would, like, I suppose when I started playing basketball or started playing rugby, you always have that little bit of doubt in your mind. Like, you're not sure, will I, am I good enough or will I be able to do it? Um, You know, there's no basketball in Riverstown. There's no rugby in Riverstown. It's very much a GA soccer heart. I suppose if I'd seen an athlete on a wall like that, like you definitely believe that it was more more achievable and more possible because it's there, it's visual, it's happened, it's real. So yeah, I think I think you wouldn't have as much doubt that it that it's not achievable. 
just speaking of doubt, transitioning even from basketball or even getting to the highest level of basketball and then moving on to the highest level of rugby, there must have been moments where doubt crept in for you or you may have felt like, oh, I'm outside my comfort zone here. This is difficult for me. What gave you the motivation and the backing of yourself that you could go and do it and step outside your comfort zone and achieve in them new spaces? There's many, many days of doubt and you know, that uncertainty of whether I was doing the right thing. And even when like you get called for Leinster, you're like, oh, geez, Mac, I'm not going to be good enough here. Like, what are, like, this, is, this isn't going to go well for them. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I suppose it's that drive. I don't know. It's hard to put into words that I just think playing for Ireland is the absolute best thing you can do. And I, I love doing it and I want to do it for as long and as many times as I can. Um, And I suppose that was, you know, the drive always and, and from a very young age was to play for Ireland and these were all like the little stepping stones along the way like going to railway and you know my first game was with the second my next game was with the first and, and then it was to try and get to Leinster and then try and get to Ireland and once it was on the Irish squad you know it was to try and get into that 23 try and get into the starting 15 and now it's to try and hold on to that jersey because there's always someone coming um, looking for it um, so I suppose it's just that drive to play for Ireland like I just think very few people have the privilege and I, I just love doing it and I feel very, very lucky and it's it's hard to describe but it's definitely the drive that that gets you over those doubts like you just have to keep going because you know you know your why and, and that's it for me. Not many more for me now, Aoife. I'm curious about um, after a game, the next day there's a newspaper and has a review. You know, Aoife McDermott, she got a six. She missed a couple of throws. She was jumping like a basketball player. But never mind that. How do you judge your own success or your own performance on the field? Never mind what media or we would think. What do you? What what has to have happened for you to feel you've had a good game? Rare you'd feel you had a, a good game. Um, you know, there's always things you'd like to improve. For me, like the lineouts, I I do take a lot of personal responsibility. Or I I feel a lot of personal responsibility around how they go. Um, so if we've a good day at the lineups, that'll go a long way to thinking we I've had a good day. Then it's just about, you know, how was my discipline? Was there did I give away any penalties? How are you know, did I make good carries? Did I get tip on pass as well? Like did I make good decisions? Like sometimes I can give too many tip on passes and you know, it's it's about like how did I read those scenarios and those situations? How was my tackle tech or did I miss any tackles? Stuff like that. You know, they're the kind of main the basics, I suppose, would be what, 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 how you'd sum it up. Like, did I do the basics well? Because if you do those well, you've generally had a solid game and you can build on that and hopefully do something better to, you know, some of those little outstanding moments. It'll lead to those. I have two quick fire questions to ask you. Okay. The first one is, who's the best player you've ever played with or who's the one you wish you could play with, alive or passed away? Okay, right. Oh, played with. I'll just go with the one that came into my head first and it's it's Lindsay Pete. I know you've had her on the, the show before, but she's phenomenal. Like just been there, done it all, like soccer international, basketball, rugby, Dublin GA. She's a competitor like no other. Like I pray every time we're playing a game of touch, she's on my team. And just because you don't want to be running against her. She's just so driven in everything she does, like whether it's a game of touch or we do a lot of our conditioning sessions together and just her like 
desire to like win every single sprint that we're doing like she just has to win everything all the time and be the best be her best and it just but it's great like because it pushes you and because like you let to get one up on her and be like no you're not winning this one and it just you know brings out the best best in you so I think she <laughs> I think Lindsay for for all she's achieved and that passion and desire and work ethic that she brings to any team she's a part of she's incredibly driven and loyal she's she's definitely a, a privilege to play alongside yeah, she's out on her own with that CV, really. Um, and the second one is, if, if you had an opponent had to summarize you, if they thought you were an incredible player, what word would you like them to describe you as? Oh, gosh. I would like them to think that I was ruthless in that I never gave up, you know, like that I would play no matter what the scoreline and give it everything I could until the final whistle blew to hopefully get my team over the line. Ruthless Aoife McDermott, we've had quite a story and it'd be fitting that the last question of our show today is through all this, through all these stories, all these lessons, all these journeys you've had in sport, what does high performance mean to you? Uh, to me, high performance is a way of life, I think. it's For me as an athlete, it's not about like money or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not professional. It's about, um, you know, doing and living your life the best way so that you can be the best version of you for your team. So that I'm, you know, making the right decisions around nutrition and sleep and, and recovery, um, that I'm doing my analysis and my prep and learning and speaking to teammates and coaches to be the best prepared and best you know, version of me that I can be so that when game day comes to get the, team, the win for your team and, and just do your role incredibly well. The best sleepy performer, Pete, I suppose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Aoife, Aoife, thanks. Thanks so much, David and Kieran, for having me. Thanks very much for your time. Really enjoyed it. Great, great conversation. So much we took from it. And look, wishing you the very best. Stay, stay well, stay fit, stay healthy. And we'll be cheering you on. Thanks a million, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A-Life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan. <laughs>